podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia and Deli, and we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Alia, and I'm Saudi and a lesbian. I'm bi trans and Lebanese. Somebody eventually is going to point out the Ellen joke, but there, I ask pointed your parents, it out. kids. <laughs> anyway, we have a wonderful guest here today. Well, remotely. And her name is Amara, and we're really excited to speak with her today. Um, so, Amara, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself, like your background and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm just going to mirror your intro a little bit. I'm um, Mexican and Pakistani, uh, bi and trans. Uh, I'm also a anthropology PhD student at the University of Chicago, I'm currently preparing to study progressive Islam in the United States. Previously, I've studied the effects of historical memory on Islam in Spain, uh, um, Muslim punk rock, specifically Taqwa core, back around like the 2000s to 2010. Uh, and yeah, that's about it, I think. So we're going to put that in our in the episode notes, and that's probably going to shoot right to the top for the English results. Yeah, probably. That's pretty awesome. And pretty specific. Yeah. <laughs> that is some really cool research. Um, I have you. Well, I guess we talked about this a little bit. You've heard of Yellow Punk, right? I hadn't until you people told me about it because the previous genre I studied, Taqua Core, yeah. it kind of died. So I haven't been looking back at it, but I am really. I've been following the Yala Punk Facebook page religiously lately. I love it. I had yeah, never heard of Taqua Core until now. That's really cool. I really loved Taqua Core when it was going on. I There are a lot of reasons it stopped and we can get into that. But there's one band still around if you're still interested. The um, Cominas, who oh. like every... Yeah, they're, okay. they were Taqua Core. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Have you heard? They were like, I think the ones who got the most popular by far. Like, and they still yeah. make music. They still have t-shirts. How did you get into all this? Yeah. What are the areas that you've studied and like, what drew you to do yeah, the research what's, that what's you're doing? Yeah. What's your deal? I, well, I really, when I got to undergrad after way too much time in community college and also dropping out of high school, I wanted to find a project for my senior thesis that looked at Islam from an angle that wasn't really looked at. Like my advisor said, I could look at uh, funerary practices among Muslims or dietary practices, and that was very boring to me. <laughs> and I just happened to stumble across uh, these forums, uh, particularly through this old blog called Sepia Mutiny. Uh, and there are these people who were talking about um, Muslim punk rock, uh, and focusing on this one book that was like a thing of fiction that inspired actual Muslim punk rockers to make music. Like it was a book about Muslim punk rockers, completely fictional. Uh, it was called uh, The Taqwa Cores. Oh, and okay. as per some people's narratives, people just started picking that up. And I found that interesting because nothing really just comes from fiction. If people were about to pick something up, Muslim punk rock was going to happen, and I wanted to see these people. Have you been to any shows? Were you able to ever attend a show? I went to two shows... Wait, wait. I went to one show in Boston, uh, and then I 
watched a live stream of one show. Uh, but the really interesting thing I found was like, there were a bunch of Muslim punk rockers, but this is a big country. If you have like 10 <laughs> bands, yeah. you're still probably not going to get a show near you. So a lot of the uh, community back then, it was online back in the live journal times. Whoa, that's yeah. old school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about this makes me feel old. Oh. <laughs> I know. Uh, it kind of reminds me like how Nerdcore started off with just one rapper and then Nerdcore hip hop is basically rapping about nerdish, nerdy stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, so for those who don't know. But yeah, basically started in the uh, like early 2000s with Frontalot and just blew up from there. But yeah. unfortunately, Taco and Core did not seem to blow up. No, but I think uh, it's not always sad necessarily when genres dies and die because they, at least for Taco Core, it like did something in the moment because this was like really uh, post nine, like right post nine okay. eleven thing that a lot of uh, Muslim Americans, both like you know, uh, born from immigrants and converts, kind of needed at the time. Like yeah. people needed to yell, right. Right. I'm, I'm kind of feeling the need to Good yell point. again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Well, there's yellow punk now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yellow punk is a year old. So just getting started, and I think there's a good a good future. And um, so it brings artists together, and um, it's it's great. Are you out to many people in your life, and how have they reacted? So I'm out to my immediate family. In fact, we finally told my uh, most likely to be transphobic brother a few days ago. Yeah. I'm out to all my friends and select members of the family. Okay. I know that song and dance. Uh, so oh, yes. brother, I especially know that one. What's what's uh, his deal? He's he's always described himself as a '90s Democrat, i.e. I'm fine with gays. Why do I have to be okay with trans people? Oh, Which, God. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But... At and least like, he's like is... Clinton-era 90s as opposed to mm -hmm. Bush-era 90s. But weirdly enough, I guess stuff I've been saying in the background to try to hint at things has worked. Because when I finally... Well, when my mom told him, because my mom's taken the exclusive right to tell everyone uh, oh. in the community, at least, but also this brother uh he was blasé really yeah he was just like so you want to just come over and play some fighting games really yeah. surprised i guess that's probably better than you expected uh I, everything has been better than i expected i've been batting 100 so far better I than know. i ever did <laughs> oh yeah. uh. um, to be fair i have only been coming out to a smaller proportion of brown folk. For example, I'm out to more people on the Mexican side of the family than the Pakistani side of the family. Yeah. Uh, and among the greater Muslim community over here, I am only out to close friends, some of whom were like, well, it's about time. Like, I, I've heard that one too. Yep. yep. Where it's like, uh, we already knew. It's like, we do, yeah, we, we knew. There is one woman who says she called it 10 years ago, and I don't believe her. 10 years? Wow. Yeah. 
this is a lesbian woman who when I was I was in uh, at Berkeley with and uh, her and her girlfriend were doing the looking for a guy to just try things out with get rid of their gold star oh yeah and they chose me and apparently the one of the one of them was just like yeah we're gonna choose him because it's kind of cheating oh my god god damn it yeah even though at the time i was presenting as a straight male whoa bravo sounds very perceptive also not the worst unicorn story oh yeah i kind of (laughs) wish they told me this (laughs) yeah years ago you're like, I would have really liked to know myself. I would have been that, very appreciative of, of you this know, information. <laughs> why has no one let me know sooner? Yeah. Um, and my best friend, when I told her, she was like, well, you were like uh, 50-50 on whether you were trans or not, weren't you? And I, I kind of broke down at that. I was like, no, I had no idea. You're like, how did all these people know first? Yeah. <laughs> Denial is a strong drug. Gosh. That's a good, oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Denial so, is very powerful. Oh, yeah, I had I had many people tell me I was a lesbian before I knew it myself. So, yeah. Unsurprising. <laughs> I was kind of resistant at first. I was like, what? No way. But these were probably all friends, right? Did yes. any of your family have that reaction? Well, actually... Sorry, you first. Oh, well, some of the... My mom was like, oh, I, I knew this was coming. But but yeah, my friends, friends were... Some of them were like, oh my God, finally. <laughs> it's like, how did you know this stuff? And I had no freaking clue. I really like hearing about the differences between how friends and family react, just because it shows how we sometimes act differently to our friends and to our families because apparently I have been like a hyper-masculine older brother for my family, which is why they were very shocked. Okay. Nice. Yeah, even though I'm very confused by this, I've had long hair since high school. (laughs) I literally have the female symbol tattooed on my torso, middly with little devil horns, but like it can't have been that surprising. Or, <laughs> Does your family know you have this tattoo? Have they seen it? They have seen it, and every time they see it again, they act shocked and surprised that they that I have it. Like they're uh, purposely not remembering it. Oh, <laughs> um, so we have the privilege of seeing her on video, and she looks very cute, very femme, very awesome. So that prompts the question: How long have you been rocking this thing? This... Wait, rocking, uh, transitioning, or rocking Takwa core, or no, the, the transitioning. Since um, I think I took the first medical steps in. Oh, I know exactly September thirtieth because that's exactly the year to that point is when I'm going to have facial surgery. Um, but it hasn't been too long. But the second I knew what I was doing, I knew what I was doing and started telling people. There was like no ambiguity. For our listeners, there. Although I do respect her decision to get surgery, I see no need for it. Just saying. I agree. I also... I agree. I can't <laughs> not make myself... I, I'm vain, and I have flaws, and flaws, quote-unquote, in my face that I can't live with. 
I, I'm going to tell you guys why I actually came out. I was listening to a queer podcast here in the Bay Area. I'm trying to remember the name, but I'll think of it in a second. Yeah. But they were interviewing uh, the Kaiser Permanente healthcare advisor here that specifically dealt with uh, trans issues and transitioning. And I was like, oh, wow, this is very interesting. I already, already know this stuff. Not wondering why a person who identified as cis would know so much about transitioning. And then she just sort of started mentioning, and now we cover it completely. Any excuse I went had, like, went out the window. I had, like, a panic attack right there. Yeah. Darling, can we move to California? <laughs> <laughs> There's one other state that does it. Um, somewhere on the East Coast. And in there. California, it's literally only <laughs> Kaiser yeah. and the UC Berkeley healthcare system. Yeah, but Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, and not even like the rest of the University of California system. But I'm optimistic because as Kaiser goes, often other healthcare companies go. Okay, yes, chasing promising. that uh, ever-growing, ever-lucrative trans market, I guess. It actually is ultimately for monetary purposes, at least from what I was told. Yeah. Because... Uh, people are realizing they're trans often much younger these these days because of representat representation in media, mm -hmm. uh, being exposed to things, um, like educators being aware. They have parents who will drop their Kaiser healthcare for what at the time was better healthcare for trans uh, teenagers and kids. Kaiser was thus losing patients completely including healthy ones that they were making money off of. Oh, okay. That is not the logic I would have seen leading to this. Yeah, right? You, I would have hoped it was like, oh, we're taking the ethical stance, doing right. the right no, thing. No, 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 no. I, I know better than that. Um, oh. I was going, well, <laughs> it's cheaper to treat trans people young, early, before they have to get tons and tons oh. and tons of therapy. And, you know... Let's and let's not even bother trying to cover all the suicide attempts and shit like that. Yes, much exactly. darker path. That's where I thought they were going to come from. I am thankfully wrong. I'm sure it's a mix of all sorts of things because I'm there is a board involved, but there were also executives involved. I it, guess this sounded a lot less dark. I money version. helping people avoid suicide is a perfectly good reason by me. But capitalism. Yep, but capitalism. capitalism. Ah. Ah. Oh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, darling, I, I've i told you from the beginning of our relationship, I would totally move to California. Just, just throwing that out there again. Anyway. <laughs> I just want to say this is a Californian who would move to like Portland if they could. That's actually oh. our first choice. Yeah. That's one of our top choices too. So I don't, I don't blame you. We don't blame you. It's just too expensive here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I'm living in the old room I lived in in college right now. But you have painted walls, unlike us. No, no, that's... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our walls are just are super bare, but... That's why we threw all the art at them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, I know we kind of started touching on this. Um, just to expand, how has your Pakistani side and your Mexican side differed on how they have taken the news of your coming out. The biggest thing with the Pakistani side is that that's the family I'm closest to. So they're 
apparently the group that has seen me most as the hyper-masculine older brother. Also, I'm apparently the, was apparently, in their words, the normal one uh, in my family. So it was quite a shock. Um, but so far I've come out to a few of them and they've been very supportive, including the religious ones. I was actually worried about the very religious ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's always but the religious I, ones that get you. Yeah, I was to, hard to worried. Yeah. But, and admittedly, I haven't told the religious aunties and uncles, it's just been the cousins and such. But they've been very understanding. A few of them have been, were part of the we kind of expected it camp. Yeah. Um, Ooh, but these are all people who grew nice. up in California, which I think helps a lot. And yeah. I always want to mention this when anyone asks how uh the muslim side of my family uh dealt with it muslims in the united states have become significantly more accepting of lgbt folks like there was a pew survey a while ago yeah uh that basically showed that muslim people in america are about at the same level of acceptance as overall protestants and like just yeah. flat out beat white evangelicals for example yeah that makes sense. Everything should considering beat like white what we've observed. Yeah. Also, everything should beat white evangelicals. That's a very <laughs> low standard. Oh, I am really curious about what's going to happen when my mother tells the like whole Muslim community because she's made it a point of we don't want to hide you, even though my father, the, yeah. uh, the Pakistani one, was like, if you just want to like be your female cousin that's coming to live with us that's fine also, yeah he's aw. he's gotten better since then okay good yeah yeah that, like just just be be a whole different person and concoct and concoct lies upon layered lies yeah no yep. pressure it won't be suspicious that i'm <laughs> the new person is using all the old person's stuff probably wearing some of the old right. person's clothes and Pursuing the same avenues of study. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what a why. Coincidence. You, that's exactly why you came to live with them because exactly. you have so much in common. So much in common. And maybe, just maybe, the uh, the arrangement might be a thing. Arranged marriage. I I'm very so. My father actually skipped out on an arranged marriage to marry my mother. Ooh. So they never get to pull that card on me. Nice. Like, I just be like, ah, good. They set a you good don't precedent. have to do it. Come on. I also will say, I feel one thing I thought was going to be super important when coming out was that I, okay, this is going to be sound ridiculous, but I had a just in case I'm trans backup fun to freeze sperm when I thought I was cis. Mm -hmm. Denial is a very strong Whoa. drug. And I was telling uh, myself that if I do come out, It'll be okay, because I'll tell my parents I can still have grandchildren for them. Uh, that actually is pretty practical advice. Uh, for those of you in the audience who do not know, when trans people transition after a certain point, they are more or less infertile. Yes, it could happen, but if you definitely want to have kids, freezing sperm would not be a bad idea. But you have to do it kind of early. Mm -hmm. And it's not cheap. No, it is not. And also, my parents didn't seem to care. Oh, that's, that's actually a lot of pressure off your shoulders. A little bit. I think they, now that they know it's an option, it's in the back of their heads. Yeah. Because uh, yet again, I'm apparently the normal one in the family. I think I 
God, I think I interrupted myself. I, I was going to mention that I'm curious seeing how the Muslim community as a whole works uh, when my mom tells them about me. Because in the U.S., it really seems like mosques are often uh, more community centers than like the places where people of the exact same ideology all gather. So like yeah, yeah. all the Arabs will go to the Arab mosques, all the... Pakistanis will go to the Pakistani mosques, etc., etc. Yeah. My cousins go to a mosque and they accepted me while I very much doubt all the people there will. Yeah. So this is one thing I'm going to be very curious in seeing. It's going to be my, my own little social experiment minus an internal review board. I'm hoping for a bright future among mosques in the U.S. Um, I know you and I have had kind of before this talked about the fact that you, you've been um, doing some research on women's mosques. Um, can you talk about um, that? Like what? Sure. You, yeah. So um, I do want to say that I've just started this research. Uh, before I came out, I was studying Islam in Spain. Uh, and oh. then when I did realize I was transitioning, I sort of put some feelers out there with the organization I was studying and realized that that project wasn't going to work anymore. Um, yeah. and then I took this as an opportunity to actually look at progressive Islam in the United States, particularly because, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have read articles about this, but in the U S and Europe, progressive mosques are like popping up quite a bit. I was actually surprised once I looked into it, uh, cause for example, there's a surprisingly well attended one in LA, the women's mosques of America who yeah. a friend of mine is actually uh, going to be publishing an article about soon in oh, one of the yeah in one of the anthropology periodicals uh, there's also the unity mosque in oh, I always forget I think it's Toronto I yeah think I think I think I heard of that one yeah Toronto sounds right yeah and that one's yeah. explicitly uh, LGBT friendly and open one oh and then wonderful. I feel like I always like whenever I try to find one in Europe, Every European country has like one. Oh, one per so country. Like, okay. Exactly. It almost seems distributed. Uh, but there also are things like um, a program in, oh, I always want to say it's Oslo, but I keep, or it might be Copenhagen, uh, that is training women imams, which is awesome. not something I think most places would be okay with, but it should be. And they're going to work on that. So, yeah, it seems like this whole popping up of women's mosques and training of the female moms and all this other stuff seems to be like this, you know, very quiet but very cool wave of trying to wrest is like Islam away from just purely conservative folk. Exactly. And like the thing I find interesting about it is that uh, it really is driven by second generation and converts. Like these are people who, regardless of how... Islam was practiced in the uh, countries of origins of either their parents or the religious leaders that brought them into the religion, they are coming at it with a critical eye that doesn't seem to have been applied often by other people. Like often when uh, conservative groups talk about uh, taking Islam back to its pure roots, uh, getting rid of bidah, getting rid of innovation, it inevitably seems to either be a worse version of what was practiced before or just a reiteration 
Uh, but at these mosques, a lot of people are specifically looking at things with a critical eye instead of just taking for granted what they get from elders. And that's like, that's very interesting to me. Yeah. I think it's easier for converts and second gen, like second gen, or converts and children of immigrants to cast a critical eye because they've had something else and they didn't, and they don't have to, they didn't grow up with our traditions, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not feeling like they're abandoning something part of their cultural identity. They want to embrace it, but they also have to say, we want to embrace this, but, you know, this this shit ain't cool over here. Yeah. They also just like, and this is the part I actually like admire, they're brave enough to say that the way it was done previously is wrong. Like that a whole new mosque or other organization needs to be started. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Think- uh, fingers crossed this will be the whole, the Islamic enlightenment everyone's been talking about for at least a hundred years. <laughs> you know, I, I really hope so. I hope so. You know, it comes around like, I think the latest round is like, oh my God, it's just around the corner was with the Arab Spring and how it'll usher in a new, more enlightened you know, Middle East and more enlightened views on Islam and blah, blah, blah. That didn't happen. Oh, I love my thesis advisor. Uh, sorry, my dissertation advisor. Uh, but his last book opened with a very optimistic preface. He's Egyptian yeah. about the Egypt, uh, the Arab Spring. And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, you were looking forward to it so much. Uh, I, I think it's, yeah. I think it's sort of, I think everything, at least of my father's generation, like the 60 plus crowd, mm-hmm. they really want to see a modern Middle East. They didn't, they grew up in a Middle East that was heading towards it. Iraq was sort of heading towards, you know, being a modern state. Iran was sort of being heading towards the modern state in the sixties. And, you know, so I would say arguably the same trajectory as say Japan, but mm-hmm. then revolutions, strongmen and oil politics. Yeah. So. And now everyone's like, finally, we get we get to cast off all this bullshit of our youth, and we'll finally have an at least we can be proud of. And it's like, no, nope, nope, so much nope. Even though it seems like there were plenty of people who were willing to work at that, but things fall apart. I actually, so a friend of mine is Egyptian. He was in Egypt during the Arab Spring. And he had a, he was just staying at his friend's place and this guy from the U.S. visited him. He's uh, one of the people who was involved in Takwa Corps. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, I like this because it was like a cross current of different kinds of aspiration. Uh, yeah. And this guy was like, hey, I want to show you, the American, show you uh, this documentary. And it was a documentary about Takwa Corps that had just come out at the time or recently. Uh, and I loved my uh, Egyptian friend's response, which was like, dude, uh, wait, your revolution's nice, but we also have one, like, right outside the door. So, like, let, let's, let, like, focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, one revolution at a time. Yeah, like, <laughs> Islam all over the Middle East. I'm going to say plus, because I feel this way about Pakistan, too. Right. Uh all needs some sort of revolution and it always feels right around the corner. But I think if it is going to happen, it's going to happen quietly and it's going to take a while. Like it's going to be things yeah. like 
people changing their views and going to mosques like these or the old generation eventually not having as much sway. That's right. my greatest hope for these sorts of things. Yeah, I feel like the um, change of power is really what's key. It's very gradual, though. Yeah. Annoyingly gradual. It's extremely gradual. And, like, you have to be really aware when you feel like you're on the cusp of it, because, um, yeah, 2006 at the end of that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, one I thing I... to be depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... No, it's reality, and... One thing I uh... well, come on, this isn't the Yemen episode. True. The what? The yeah, sorry, of uh, the Yemen episode. Oh, the Yemen episode. At least, yeah, at least it's not the Yemen episode, but it's still, you know. <sighs> These episodes usually get a little heavy, and that's the nature of the what we talk about. So. The nature of the cultural beast. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm once accused by my students of. Uh, acting really cheerful about really depressing things, even though I thought what I was teaching wasn't like uplifting. So, oh, yeah. Like, like we uh, get it. I think this was specifically this one scholar, Gramsci, whose point is that even in a totalitarian state, there's always a little bit of wiggle room because you at least control uh, your body in prison or you at least control yeah. your ability to write. And all my students were like, no, that's awful. Like, why, 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 don't take pleasure in just being able to write. Uh, yeah, but those societies need at least that level of hope. Exactly. Yeah. Any level <sighs> of hope. Um, speaking of hope, one thing I've really liked with our generation is I'm seeing this tendency, at least, at least in the U.S., this tendency to um, kind of be comfortable with creating our own communities um, mm -hmm. away from our families. And I think that's a big, that's key to um, growing as people and, uh, and you know, continuing to progress in our views. Um, like with Pakistani and Arab cultures, they have a lot of overlap and like mm -hmm. they're both family oriented both very communal cultures like focus they both focus so much on community versus like individualism um and so what are your thoughts on like our need as queer people to build our own communities rather than like solely relying on our families to provide a sense of belonging because i think about that a lot yeah, this is something that I've been trying to figure out for myself uh, because there's like these dual impulses. One, there's like the desire to have like a support system that you won't necessarily have in a traditional community or even from your family. Even if they are accepting, they might just be they might just be accepting and not understanding. And there's definitely something to be said for being around people who get you and will accept you for who you are versus reluctantly and this is like the best case situation for a lot of people i know reluctantly accepting that they may be lgbt or liberal or something like that just viewing it as a quirk but you still have to live in that other world but at the yeah. same time i really i don't want to leave those traditional communities alone they need to be broken into to a certain extent like 
I feel it my too. Mom, I'm really interested in what's going to happen when my mom tells the rest of the community I'm trans, because to my knowledge, there are no other out trans folk in my community, and the gay and lesbian people I know keep it completely under wraps. I, I know that feeling pretty well. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that's sort of the odd thing about our, you know, sort of particular generation, particular situation, is we can't, we don't really feel comfortable doing the traditional, you know, rejected gay kid thing where we just dive into the gay community find a boyfriend, girlfriend, or what have you, and then just sort of settle into, you know, the homosexual lifestyle. Oh, true. <laughs> where, where, like, of ditching your, yeah, what mm -hmm. you grew up with, like, your community that you grew up with. Yeah, because the traditions are... That makes sense. The traditions are too strong, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of nostalgia and love attached to it. And I, I don't know if this is just me. I haven't uh, asked other people about this yet, but... I've spent 32 years being the older brother of a family, which has the same I know for a lot of Arab families. Uh, it's actually on both sides of my family, both the Mexican and the Pakistani side take the older son pretty seriously. And yeah. I still feel the need to fulfill those roles, even though I'm no longer going to be presenting the same way. And I highly doubt that like my younger brother is going to take that place and it's an important role that needs to be filled for the family like i am part of their support network and i don't want to abandon that yeah yeah and but we also see like our fellow you know on the down low queer friends who are also mm -hmm. of the i'm just gonna say it just of the brown persuasion uh -huh. and it's just like it's it's always so sad you know mm-hmm they have no place to go. They want to stay with the community. They want to honor their families. And, you know, sometimes, and the gay community, the white gay community does have a lot of issues with race, but I'm not, oh, I'm not even going to dance around that one. Yeah. Double it down for Islam also. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's just So yeah, we, we kind of have to make this space. Otherwise we don't have one. We're just sort of being tolerated in other spaces. Yeah. I do think that it's hopefully getting better from all angles because uh, while there are always going to be douches in the LGBT community because LGBT, LG, LGBT people are people too, uh, right. just as Muslims are becoming more tolerant of trans folk, I was kind of surprised that even among the... like I have a good number of conservative gay cis friends who before i told them i was trans used to say a good number of stuff about islam to rile my feathers even though i'm not muslim myself i'm not practicing a uh, practice eh, i'm not a practicing muslim myself yeah uh but a lot of that it seemed like it was almost a like masculine display like they had to show their gayness by putting themselves up against something that was presumed to be against LGBT folk. And to be yeah. fair, there are a lot of Muslim people who are against LGBT folk, uh, but there's performances from all angles. And hopefully as organizations like the various women's mosques and other progressive mosques uh, become a bit more public, maybe that'll change the image of Islam. Maybe it'll help 
uh, for brown people in general. I want to I identify as double brown, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's a slow process. Yeah, yes. maybe one day we'll see like a, a mosque march in a pride parade. Oh, that happens at, well, not a mosque, but there are Muslims at the San Francisco pride uh, parade, and I believe they're at the Chicago Pride also. Well, awesome. I was kind of like I know, like in the, same, in the same way, like a lot of progressive churches also march with their members. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see that. Oh, like yeah. yeah, like this may just be San Francisco, but someday. I'm trying to figure out whether to go to the uh, Indian Pakistani uh, Pride group or to the Muslim Pride group, and I still haven't decided. Uh, just Ooh, just go to both. Would be cool. and Pick whichever one just feels better socially. True. Well, but wouldn't you have to pick one to march with in the parade? Uh, if, if both are marching. You can do what well, it depends how closely spaced they are. If they're very <laughs> closely right between No, if they're closely spaced, uh, you can just run between them so you can get so you can just hang out with both of them in different parts of the parade. That's what I did. And when they oh, if they're cool. extremely far apart, you know, then you can just, you know, get on the one in front and then <laughs> When it finishes, just run in, run just back to the other one. back and forth. I'm going to be taking some laser hair removal to the face the day before, so I'm hiding under a tent. Oh, I get oh. Yeah. Next yeah. year will be my first real pride. Okay. Yeah. I was a bad bisexual for a lot of years who basically was like straight passing and didn't go to any pride or anything like that. Ah, you're missing out. <laughs> I know, and I... Everyone I know was like, why aren't you coming? You you will totally enjoy this. But I, yeah, yeah there was definitely some insecurity there. I get it, but, you know. I totally get it, yeah. Oh, I, and I'm going this year. Nothing's going to stop me this year. Hell yeah. Yeah, just bring a big umbrella and just go. I do kind of buy want to eh, buy one of those goth umbrellas. Do it. Yes. It, it's actually incredibly comfortable and very cute. <laughs> I also have the perfect upward because outfit for it because continued things of denial. I think like I've been cross-dressing for Halloween since like high school, and I think the first one was an elegant gothic Lolita outfit that I probably still fit into. Ooh! I am so fucking jealous on so many fucking levels. <laughs> I put way too much effort. I'm sure this is like a familiar story for people. Uh, I put way too much effort into my Halloween costumes for a supposedly cis dude. I won the graduate student Halloween costume a few year, uh, costume contest a few years ago for going as Sailor Jupiter. Oh my god, Ellie's face. Oh, I wish you could see Ellie's face right now. So fucking jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's um, face is totally lit up. What you need to do is you need to get a bunch of friends together, at least five, for every color of the rainbow, there's a Sailor Scout. Oh my gosh. Ellie. That needs to happen. This needs to happen. Mm. I know a few people we could get we could rope into this. Oh yes. All I know right. I know a few people we wouldn't even need to convince. Alright, so this brings up to the next topic. Dating. Oh. Alright. Well. Oh, uh, so have you how has the dating been, like, since you came out, since you... Like... So, I only discovered once I started medically transitioning that I apparently had a very low testosterone level. Like, I can't remember what the normal ranges are. I think on the test I took, it was 
280 nano or millo somethings per liter. So how far uh, below did you go percentage-wise, just for sane people talk? Oh, I don't have a percentage, but if the bottom is 280, I was at like 110. Yeah, familiar story. And I actually found out the same damn thing. Did you... I don't know if this affected you the same way then, but until I started going on hormone replacement therapy, I didn't really have much, I'm going to say, amorous desire. And it had confused me for years. Yeah, I was just more relieved that I wasn't going to be didn't have as much hair to remove as my brother's or my brother and I was super glad that it was low because it meant I had a because at the time I took it I was gonna be like three more months before I can get on hormones ah. so I was just like oh thank god it's it's <sighs> I'm out of the danger zone I'm not going to have to take off a sweater oh and no <laughs> more and like you weren't I was always nervous. worried about like more testosterone yes oh Again, uh, trans denial stories. I had been drinking spearmint tea for years because it supposedly reduces testosterone. Um, but back to what you're asking, um, I had almost started identifying as asexual or at the very least demisexual because I did occasionally feel something. Uh, but I hadn't dated since like high school. Um, around the t uh, by the time I transitioned and that's I'm 32 that's a long time to basically have done nothing uh, and I have started dating in that I've gone on one date there was this cool trans guy at a local church who I found out because he does interfaith stuff um, but it's a good start I just am not sure how to proceed other than just like poking people and going hey are you cool with trans people and you know i'm not unattractive and hey do you want to hang out <laughs> i'm here i i yeah translating is awful just if you haven't yeah, found out you're gonna find out <laughs> i am very much going to find out because uh yeah hormones at least for me yeah, I have a sex drive again, and or for the first time practically, and it is kind of infuriating. Like, that's the best way I can put it, infuriating. Like, how can I feel so much? Exactly, like, Why I'm go on away? a... What was it on? There's like a... So I get an injection every two weeks, so estrogen starts really high, and then it goes down low, that first week i go kind of crazy and then by the end i'm like oh i'm asexual again <laughs> pills just saying really hmm. i mean unless you have liver issues in that which case you know i do actually have a minor liver issue which is probably why, why the doc put me on that there you go yep the worst is actually when i'm on progesterone yeah. and estrogen at the same time because it's just like the body is flush and ready to go yeah and there's nowhere to go to <laughs> but that i'm, sounds, I'm staying sounds optimistic very similar to like a cis woman's cycle you know exactly like when it comes to sex drive and yeah i'm 
Interesting. I'm also, I haven't fully changed my presentation yet, even though it's like getting a little bit more obvious by the day, apparently. Like I've gotten some questions from people I'm not out to. Um, but I'm probably going to be trying a lot more after facial surgery. I know you say it's not necessary, but like there's a comfort and there's like an importance of being comfortable with your body. Absolutely, not... yeah. Yeah, I, I which is why I'm not going to say don't do it. I mean, obviously do it. You want to well, do it, do it. It's also, I don't have to pay for it. <sighs> Ellie's size. Come, yeah. Come to the dark side. Yeah. Why? We're getting El Nino next year. It's going to be amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I I can't recommend California enough. Other than Portland. I would move to Portland. Yeah. Oh, Portland. Uh, if you have trans dating tips, though, I listened to the episode about who you two met. Uh, so. Oh, right. <laughs> oh. Uh, so my advice is if you are dead set on meeting somebody just go in with this mindset be out up like if you can stand to do it put you know your trans in the profile right at top that'll knock out like most of the assholes immediately it's a good Ooh. filter uh and just be very clear with your expectations and from there just be prepared to go on a lot of first dates and i mean a lot yeah so many first dates ellie told me oh. about her 17 minute date Ouch. Sounds awful. Uh, long story short, took her took her to my f favorite sushi place. We met. She was um she went from kind of excited looking to immediately depressed. And while we were waiting in line, basically texted me, "Are you trans?" Like while sitting next to me. Yeah, I was Whoa. like, yeah, and you know, I'm like, yeah, and then just upsetness followed. We sat down, we ordered drinks. I went to the restroom, and when she came, when I came back, she was gone, and I was kind of okay with that. I'm From glad you were I remember, okay with isn't that. that. Isn't that what made you decide to start putting it on your profile? Yeah, just just up front yeah. at top, front and center. I am trans. You know the one I. Okay, this is gonna sound really bad. Uh, I am also like I also have Catholic family, so I guess I got a bit of Catholic guilt in me. Yeah. Um, the one date I've been, I was on before coming out, I screwed up so badly. I almost feel like I deserve stuff like that. Like Aww. the woman, this was an arranged date, uh, within the community. Someone, uh, found out that there was another multi-ethnic, uh, person in the community and wanted us to meet. So we had a date. Then we had a second date because I never say no to second dates, even though the first one wasn't that great. Yeah. And she ended the date by saying, um, you know, we should now get our families to talk potentially. And Whoa. I run away. Whoa, that's quick. I, yeah. And they see people move quick. Um, <laughs> I may have got a stern face and said, you know, instead, maybe we should pursue other opportunities. Yeah. Hey, you're, hey. that's up front. Hey, that was very brave, very upfront, and set expectations. Good, good on you. Yeah, it was so blunt. <laughs> but 
I think that's good. You didn't you, lead. You didn't lead anyone on. I think that's worse. That's way worse. I think. Yeah. What if you had a, like your families meet and then like six months later, you know? Then you're like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I feel like I know a few people who basically gone into marriage through apathy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Don't do that. Me too. I, yep. I unfortunately know of people I can't name who I've related to. Mm-hmm. who are definitely not excited to get married, but they did it to please the family and just etc. Okay, speaking of extended family, coming out to the Pakistani family and the Mexican family was a little bit of a surprise because I found out I have secret... Oh my god, my family hears this, but they probably know this. I have secret LGBT relatives on both sides. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I got those stories too. Me too. And... And I, I can't, yeah, and it's like I have to be a vault and just not say a word, mm-hmm. like, to anyone else in the family. And it's just like, oh, it really, it's painful to watch them have to be on the DL. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Apparently, I've got a cousin, uh, a gay cousin, and like, who was in Chicago at one point, and this was in the 70s, came out with probably inspired by Harvey Milk, came out to to this Lebanese family of his and was never heard or seen from again. Oh, wow. Wow. Until my dad, like, randomly ran out into him on the street and they didn't even even say anything. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so it's okay that you're mentioning this. Not not dead. Yeah. Yeah, And this was in the 70s. Yeah. So, I, I guess no one's good. One of those in my family, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Wow. Like, apparently there was... This is a relatively far-flung relation. It is my mother's uncle's daughter, story. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they came... This is in Mexico, and in a not good part of Mexico. Like, this is cartel town. Yeah. Um, and they came out as trans... Uh, were not accepted by their family, went into prostitution, and you're already not supposed to be out on the street at night in this town in Mexico, and they were not seen again, and not in a they're-off-somewhere kind of way. Oh, no. But, I and I yet again, Catholic guilt, say this, stories like these are why my mom completely accepted me when I came out. Oh, uh uh-huh. Like, yeah, the fact it, it that gets... there are so many hidden LGBT people in my family, and my mom was aware of that, yeah. resulted in her saying, no, we're not even going to hide you or do anything like that. No female yeah. cousin that just appeared business. Right. And right. Yeah, and why she insists on telling the community, which I hadn't, uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to do that, but she actually convinced me. I have... That, and once you tell enough people, like, word gets around anyway. Word gets anyway. around anyway, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, way more people know I'm trans than I know of. Yeah. yeah. Facebook is a thing. And, yeah, exactly. Facebook is a thing. People, people enjoy sharing what they see on Facebook with yeah. each other. And be like, oh, look at what this person posted, even if you're not friends with them, you know. So. Which is... I am going to continue to hope that I have a 100% banning average. <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm cheering for you. Yeah, it's a good start. Um, 
and I, I'm just I'm so glad I'm so glad coming out has gone well so far. Um, I'm almost hoping that I can get a critical mass to kind of like shame anybody who doesn't, because that's sort of what happened with pronouns and names. Um, yeah. I actually hadn't planned on changing my name or pronoun until I either changed my presentation, had facial surgery, or reached some sort of imaginary landmark that I hadn't decided upon. Yeah. Uh, which is honestly kind of ridiculous in my opinion because transitioning is such a long, gradual process. Um, but one of my best friends, she basically came to me and said, I'm really bad with names i'm changing now one way or another and her changing somehow started some sort of peer pressure like you know system yeah that everyone that is interacted with that friend group has changed like um, without me having to insist sounds like some pretty strong peer pressure i approve yeah, yeah i like too. if anybody is having difficulty with this enlist peer pressure Yes. Actually, funny story about that. Uh, I did not like go full time. For those who do not know, full time means when a person who is trans and going through transition decides to present full time as one gender. Because what happens is a lot of us have this very uncomfortable middle ground stage where we have to present male in some spaces, female in some spaces, and ambiguous in some spaces because they don't know or remember who they told what. <laughs> So, just wait for somebody else to, to choose a pronoun with you and just roll with it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, when I was a teaching, doing a teaching assistant gig, uh, my professor who knew I was trans, who knew I was kind of out-ish, but was doing the sort of, you know, presenting as gender at place X and Y, it was like new semester he was like all right i want you to come into the classroom and take over for you for a few days how do you want to be introduced and so now there was this classroom of like 20 something people in college whose grade sort of depended on me and who are being introduced to me as first time and i was like well crap now i have to now i have to commit and That's this would be like like a semester long commitment too so i was just like impulsively fuck it let's let's do this oh wow cool and i thought it was going well until you know came into the classroom he he introduced me and fucked up the pronouns got the name right Ugh! fucked up the pronouns like this is gonna be a moment but thankfully no one else did oh good cool. yeah good academia I, I i assume when you say teaching assistant it was at a university or something like that yes has been pretty good like i was i there's like this one reddit that where there's trans memes and when i came up to my professors i literally put on well i thought i was like a little meme that said i thought i was gonna get kicked out of academia but even my like 90 year old <laughs> professor is down so <laughs> love it like he uh the oldest like i love this man but you know he's an older person you sometimes worry they're not going to react well. Uh, he immediately was like, I respect Chelsea Manning so much. We all do. And was like, you're like Chelsea Manning? I'm down 100%. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. 
Chelsea Manning, trans hero. Oh yeah, she's already done more for me than other trans famous people I can think of. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is so chill. I love it. I feel so comfortable with you. Like it's you're great. It's right. California. I I know you have that chill vibe. I feel like I missed something about Taco Court that I was gonna say, but I forgot what it was. If you think of it tonight before we drop the episode tomorrow, let you can just like send it to us and we can add that in the footnotes. Okay. Or, you can contact us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com if you have any feedback, any anything at all you want to send us. Um, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Queer Arabs. And then Amara, if people wanted to contact you in any way, do you want them to just go through us? Uh, I can give you guys my university email. Okay, awesome. We will be posting it with the episode on thequeerarabs.com. Yes. So awesome. Thank you so much, Amara. This was yeah, awesome. Thank you. This has been awesome. Yeah. Super fun. All and right. Now and outro. outro.